Talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talking benefits. You're listening to Talking Benefits, the podcast brought to you by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. Every month, we dive into retirement, healthcare, hot topics and trends, and whatever else the benefits industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Julie Stick. I'm Ann Patterson. Let's talk benefits. Hello. If you are a regular Talking Benefits listener, you know that we've frequently covered the topic of mental well-being. And this is because of the significant impact this issue has throughout our country and in turn throughout our workplaces and on employee benefit plans. The need for mental health and substance use disorder benefits and for employee assistance programs has always been critical, but even more so now during the pandemic and after. We're all facing so many things, fear, social isolation, physical health challenges, financial insecurities, grief, caregiving stressors, domestic violence, and things like that. And all of these are causing anxiety, depression, and other mental health conditions, increased addiction issues, and suicide concerns. While stressors are impacting everyone, of course, the degree and depth is very individualized. Everyone's situation is different. Stressors differ depending on a worker's status as essential or non-essential. I and our other hosts are non-essential workers currently working from home. We wanted to gain insights about what it's like to be an essential worker, someone who is on the front lines every day. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak with Ruben Navarro, who was a fire captain two for the Los Angeles Fire Department. He also serves as a commissioner of the Los Angeles Fire and Police Pensions and is currently the vice president of the board. Ruben continues to lead his team and serve his community throughout this pandemic. I wanted to check in with him to hear how he and his team members are handling the pressures of their work while maintaining their mental well-being. So thank you for joining us on Talking Benefits today, Ruben. We really appreciate you being here with us. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So now, first of all, to start out, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the work that you do as a firefighter and what has stayed the same and what has changed during the past year? Okay, uh, I'm a fire captain too for the city of Los Angeles. And so with that, I have 14 people under my command at my fire station and surrounding engine companies around me. So which come out to about 16 additional people. Uh, what's changed? Um, everything has changed. I mean, there's, I've been doing this for 38 years and nothing has had the impact that COVID has. Uh, the pandemic has, and, but you know, here's the funny part about it. It's been a true roller coaster ride. It changes, gets better, gets worse, gets better, gets worse. And we've been back and forth literally for the past year. Until recently, our members had the opportunity to get vaccinated has been probably the biggest calming um, effect that we've had since the start of it. Uh, really what's changed is everything from, you know, we came on this job and we do, you know, we know what we signed up for, if you would. But we typically go on medical, you know, medical is the bulk of what we do. 80% of what firefighters do today is medical. And then the other 20% is the firefighting part. 
And with that said, our medical has spiked beyond anything I could tell you. Uh, we used to have a cardiac risk maybe once a segment. That's a three-day work period that we do. Uh, we've had days that we've had seven cardiac arrests in one day, all COVID related. And just that constant dealing with has been an ad, a tremendous stress stressor. I mean, I can't tell you enough. The big difference though, is then our folks don't really did for the past year have the great vehicles to, you know, their exercise routines, the gyms are closed, uh, going to the movies, a lot of the things that people would go to a concert, things that people would do to, re to relieve themselves, to get that relief and de-stressor was gone. So when you put those on top of, became the real challenge. And I will tell you, the other one that was tough is, uh, is the fact that we're going home to our families that are isolated. Uh, that actually is, you know, I, I, dealing with the number of people that I deal with, I didn't realize how big it was. So I saw it in my own relationship with my wife. I'm coming to work dealing with people having the interaction. They're staying at home, not having it. And my kids are gone, but a lot of my young, younger members, you know, in their 30s and, you know, that have children, it was the at-home education that, you you know, I can't tell you enough. That's that Everybody knows that one, whether you're a first responder or not. That's a tremendous added challenge. But then dealing with that plus work has been. So I think that's probably been the biggest, been a roller coaster ride of the changes back and forth. But the number one thing is just the constant or the tremendous increase of patients. We've had three waves where we've seen tremendous spikes. And when they talk about them, they're, they're straight up, they're true. We're in a decrease right now. And we have, our numbers are showing it. Our call load is showing it. We're, we're almost back to normal right now. And hopefully we stay there. Okay. So um, how has this affected the mental health of your team? So all of this increased urgency, right? I mean, I, I can't even imagine going out on, like you said, seven cardiac arrest uh, calls during a shift. How has this affected the mental health of your team? Well, it's, it's, it's two parts. One is, is that, you know, we used to just go in and, you know, would we, you know, again, I'm dating myself. We used before gloves, we'd go in and with no gloves, nothing. We got to the point that we got to wear gloves and we, we've accepted that. Well, this new phase has been wearing N95 masks, going in and before we engage, we suit up, we prepare. Um, we check our patients, we check temperatures and we put masks on them if possible. Uh, so that's been the change. And, you know, I have longtime paramedics, 10 years in being a paramedic and their burnout is the fact that they're wearing a mask. I mean, I only could feel for the doctors and nurses that are wearing it 24 seven. We're wearing it a pretty good portion of the day, but it's not that entire shift. That, it, that you, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have come across that. You forget, you know, it's, it's just a added burden. Again, I get it. it, it serves its purpose, but when we're dealing with people, trying to save people's lives, wearing the mask, it actually affects our communication as well, uh, which is an added stress. Um, people aren't as quick to do what the paramedics ask because they don't understand and we've kind of gone through that now. We're doing a lot more hand sign, you know, kind of knowing what to do and doing it without being asked. It's kind of an interesting dynamic in that. But I think that's the biggest difference. Just that it's just the amount of frequency that we're doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned that, you know, it's changed when you go home to your family. How is this um, how has this changed for your family members and how you interact with them and how, you know, how well did they understand what you're dealing with day to day and what you're bringing home with you? 
Oh, you know, I'll tell you personal experience and, and for my people. You know, everybody's really worried about it. Uh, I'm older than my, my, my average firefighter's 30. So they're on that young end that, you know, uh, literally most of them have caught COVID. That's the scary part. Uh, but they, when they go home, they got to isolate from their wife and their kids. You know, they, they're doing what they can in that sense. And fortunately, none of them have had it severe. When I had a possible test, I, I had taken a test and I came back positive. My wife was terrified because my wife kind of fits in the high risk category. You know, a little bit, you know, she's on the older side with a few medical conditions. So just that uncertainty is a tremendous burden. You know, it's funny, but, you know, we're doing a lot like you probably have seen. We, we, we all take showers and change our clothes before we go home. You know, um, that way we're going home fresh, if you would. Just the little things. It's, it's, it's just so hard to explain. But, you know, the fact that we're out here dealing with it. And I, I talked to, you know, retail clerks, but in particular, you know, people at the supermarket. I mean, they came to work every day since day one and did their thing. They don't know who they're exposed to. I mean, that in itself is a different level than my, what I'm doing. The difference is that we know we're dealing with. We're doing 7, 10, 20 in the busy places, COVID patients a day. That's just constant doing, not, not the uncertainty. I am touching and interacting with people that have COVID-19. That's the difference. It's not, because it, I think what they're doing is probably in some ways even more commendable because they didn't know who, who has it. We at least know and we're dealing with it, but just the frequency has been the challenge. So um, tell me, you, you had made some comment that several of your people have been um, diagnosed with COVID, you yourself have. And I'm, um, am I correct in assuming that's changed your, you know, maybe they weren't able to work. And so were more of you having to pick up extra shifts and, and take on more, um, which just adds to the increased workload? Yeah, the, the, the workload right now is, um, I can't even tell you. I mean, right now, the city of Los Angeles is running short every day, simply because of COVID-19. Um, it's, it's, and it's a, multi-pronged problem because one is we dealt with when we were in our spikes we had I think at the high point 120 people off duty mind you we staff a thousand people per day three platoons um, and with that number off that's a significant impact uh, but what it's really impacting us is we're not able to run classes the same way we did a year ago a year ago we ran classes of recruits of 70 people today we only could run 35 because of social distancing and so we're falling behind quicker than ever before because we can't keep up. Yeah, our folks are running more, they're working more often and going on more calls. So that's been an added stressor. Right, so have you seen more indications that your, your team members are suffering from mental challenges and that they, they need you know they need to find ways to, to handle that and, and get a hold of that? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's been a, a, uh, an ongoing, like I said, very much a roller coaster ride up and down. Uh, our fire department administration with my fire chief, Rob Tarasas, has really recognized the whole mental health issue. We've done some things to really prepare. The first and foremost, probably the most important one is making sure captains, the immediate supervisors are aware of what's happening. Uh, not, not being the ostrich with the head in the sand and not realizing what's happening around them. Uh, I'm not a paramedic. I'm not the ones that are going on the bulk of the calls, but my folks are. So you mean being aware of those things. Some of the things that he brought up was just the 
to educate the officers, make sure your folks are getting time to exercise. Uh, we have gyms at the fire station, you know, which we clean regularly that, so they can come here, get their exercise in at work, do what they need to do. That relaxed time, you know, as you put it out there, you know, you know, whether it's read, meditate, pray, whatever, get some time during the day to get, to get that time for yourself. Um, and then figuring it out that home issue, uh, as we talked earlier. So one of the things that we have, the fire department has done in, in working with our union is the, expanding our mental health program. Uh, when the pandemic started, we had two professionals, two doctors, psychologists that were working for the fire department and one for a union. Uh, this past year, that has doubled. We've added two from our union standpoint and one from the department. And what that gives us is this tremendous reach uh, because some people are comfortable going through the administration, you know, the bosses, if you would, and other people were, were that rather go to a remote location where it's just the union. Uh, the, the brotherhood there, if they would, that they feel more comfortable with. Uh, they've done everything from our new recruits, which we'll talk about in a second, but more so even our, our guys that are married, what have you. They've done a lot of marriage counseling. There's been a lot of people that just have had that challenge of dealing with one staying at home, one working, both working. You know, it's, it's a combination of everything, but we've just really opened up and took the Band-Aid off and said, hey, it's okay to go talk to somebody. Uh, in the whole marriage counseling arena. Uh, that's been a tremendous positive. Um, it's also exposed, you know, the uh, abuse issue for us, you know, uh, people that are drinking too much, what have you. You know, it's interesting because wives and spouses and husbands are a lot quicker now to call out because they're not going anywhere. And so we've been able to assist people through our employees assistance programs, you know, which is very tied with mental health. So there, that's why I say there have been some of these silver linings that, uh, We've done a lot more. Uh, one of the things that, you know, we have talked about before is, you know, what's the training that we get to deal with all of this? And, you know, literally when, you know, 38 years ago when I started, it was what you get paid to do, you know, suck it up. I mean, it was deal with it. It was literally, I mean, I was very fortunate to have a gentleman by Tom Rohrbach, a captain of mine that told me that, you know, we go on calls and all we do is try to make it better. We don't cause problems for people. We try to make it better and we succeed sometimes and sometimes we don't. That was a great piece of advice that I got as a young firefighter. Today, we've gone even a step further. When our members go through the, their training academy, they get a little bit of mental health. As they go through probation and before they complete their probation, they, they get segments of more mental health. And the large part of what it is is, is coping mechanisms. How do you cope with having a tough day at work? Have you had a tough day with calls? Maybe a tough day with coworkers. You know, as all of us have been on probation somewhere, it's a little bit more of a challenge when you're the new person trying to learn the job versus the 38-year captain too that, you know, people don't really talk, tell you much, you know. That's been a big plus though. And, it's, and, and I've seen that difference with these younger members that they're able to deal with circumstances greater. The flip part of that, though, is that the circumstances are the pressures are so much higher now than they were 38 years ago or 10 years ago. They have so many more pressures. And so it's a good thing that we're making this aware. So mm -hmm. that would be my positive that I've seen that we really opened up that door to mental health in the fire service. That's it's really interesting that you talk about stigma, Ruben, because we have talked about that quite a bit on this podcast and how that surrounds mental health and that that keeps us from moving forward and in, in combating those issues. So it's very, it's interesting to hear that that's something you're talking about 
these issues in the fire service as well as with the union. So that, that helps to move things forward. Yeah, you know, I'll comment further on that. It's even greater than just the administration and the unions because they send out the message. They send it out and it literally filters down. I recently had a member that was just dealing with a lot, you know, he had a little bit of home issues, a little bit of, you know, just the constant paramedic dealing with the coronavirus issues. And it wasn't just me that saw it. I had my other members come to me and say, have you talked to so-and-so? Have you noticed this? That is truly to me a, a true blessing because it's no longer just, uh, you know what, we're not going to talk about it. That's his problems. He needs to toughen up. No, he needs help. And, you know, even though I had recognized it and saw it, it was re reassuring to me that members were taking care of each other as well. The key to mental health is supervisors and, and co-workers taking care of each other. Mm -hmm. That's the key right there. And, and, and letting them know it's okay to get help. That is very true. That is very true. Um, so you, you mentioned a few things. You mentioned the EAP. You mentioned the gym that you have. What other approaches have you found to be the most helpful in helping your group with their mental well-being? What has worked well for you? Uh, you know, this is, I'll go back even pre-COVID. I think the number one thing is, is that, you know, we need to be better communicators with each other. Uh, if you're, as, as being a supervisor, the more I'm able to communicate with my people, uh, the quicker it is to recognize issues, um, the easier it is to, for me to pry, the easier for me is to, to ask what's going on. And if I gave any advice to anybody on the benefit side on what to do to do be better in preparing for mental health and being, making sure for our mental health well-being is get to know your people. You know, there's an old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if, if everybody did that, that supervises, we could do so much better uh, in, in addressing mental health issues because they're more willing to listen to us and get the help that they need. And you'd be able to recognize it too, Absolutely. if you know something better. Okay. Have you found things that you've tried that have not worked as well as you would have liked in the mental health arena? Yeah, I could tell you exactly what doesn't work is, is forcing mental health down somebody's throat, telling them they have a problem. You have to open up doors and let them walk through, not open up the doors and throw through it. Mm -hmm. um, that is the absolute key to success of mental health is you have to have a dialogue. You have to let them know what's out there. Let them know it's okay. Um, but, you know, one of the challenges we've had in the fire service with the whole, and I'm going back some time now, was mental health. We had department psychologists. And when we'd go to a tough incident, they, the administration would say, we're going to send a psychologist to come down and talk to you folks. And it really was a roadblock because nobody knew who this person was. His first time meeting them. He's walking in saying, here, I'm going to fix you all. And it was a real challenge. And it, it, it actually added to the wall, if you would, of the whole mental health area, because like, who's this person coming in to tell me how I feel or how I should feel or anything versus that first line supervisor, if they have that relationship with them, could relate from, they went through the same thing, they could talk to them. It's just such a better thing. So I would say the biggest thing is, is that we got to make everything exposed and you just can't force people through the doors. That would be the biggest thing that I've seen that we tried, doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Good, that's good to know. So what are you anticipating for the future in terms of both work environment and mental health offerings? 
that's actually really good because you know I'm optimistic on this. I'm a half, you know, the half uh, full versus half empty. I think that we, you know I'm hoping then all signs are moving this way that we're getting COVID behind us. That you know with the vaccines out there and the first responders and the fire service, we have it down and we're going to get into the general population. Hopefully, come around to the summertime, we're done with that part. But I think the byproduct that's going to be the positive is the exposure of mental health because mental health is still going to be there. It's not going to go away. And I think, you know, what we're doing now with our young firefighters and uh, men and women that are teaching them how to cope with issues uh, is a positive. The fact that we've opened up the whole thing of marriage counseling, all these things, positive things that we've done are not just going to go away because COVID goes away. So mm -hmm. I, you know, we're not going to disband our six psychologists that are on staff now because COVID's gone, but we're going to, we're going to be able to dig a little bit deeper and, and hopefully help more people. And just to circle back when you had mentioned earlier about um, the, the approach before when people would say, okay, I'm a firefighter, I signed up for this, I can just deal with this. Is there any other kind of um, baseline training to help prepare firefighters for how to deal with death and other intense situations that are part of their job? Yeah, as I said, we're really working on that now in their first year, giving them a lot more training on giving them more coping mechanisms, mm -hmm. you, you know, giving them, you know, what, because, you know, here's the funny thing about coping. Everybody's different. I will tell you, there have been numerous studies in, in the fire service, what makes somebody successful for a long period of time, longevity in the fire service. And the two things that came up, if you want to, you got to be compassionate. You have to have compassion for people. If you don't care about people, it's really hard to do this job. And the second one is you have to be humorous. You have to have fun. You have to be able to interact. And that's the one thing that I will tell you, I think overall in the fire service, we've been able to do this for so long is because we do do that. We are, we are a group of men and women that get along. And when you probably heard this fire department family, what have you, and it's in a lot of other trades that have this is that camaraderie gets you through a lot. But again, you got to get to know your people to have it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would say that's one of the biggest ones right there is that, you know, you got to teach people how to be compassionate um, and you got to have fun. You got to you got to laugh once in a while. That's important in any work situation, isn't it? It is. It really is. Well, great. Is there anything else that you want to share with us, Ruben? No, I'm really happy with uh, literally. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened what happened with the COVID, you know, the number of people that have died and, you know, just the illness itself. But on the mental health arena, I will tell you, somebody that um, has seen it firsthand, I've seen uh, great improvements in, the, in our, our approach to mental health. Uh, and it, largely because of COVID, I hate to say it, but uh, it's really opened up a lot of opportunities for us. And I hope we continue to capitalize on that and, and, and reach out to more people. All right, well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Ruben, for being here with us today and for sharing your insights with us. And on behalf of my co-hosts, Justin Held and Ann Patterson, thank you all for listening. We'll be back in your podcast feeds next month. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Talking Benefits is a production of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, the largest educational association for those working in the benefits industry. If you're into benefits, check out all the International Foundation has to offer at ifbp.org.
Our show is hosted by Julie Stick, Justin Held, and me, Ann Patterson. Produced by Rose Pleva and Stacey Van Alstyne and edited by Amanda Gilsmer. Today's program is copyrighted in 2021 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, all rights reserved.